Blog Talk Radio. Who do you think your, your, your four is going to be? 
Wow, if I had to only pick, wow, God, if I only had to pick four, then um, actually two of my four would be out of your four in terms of Memphis and Houston, of course, with those being great programs and, of course, being in huge cities. I did read your article, and and those are great points in terms of, especially the one in in terms of being in a big city. That has a lot to do, especially when you're you're talking about generating revenue um, for the conference when it comes to uh, conference tournament time, both basketball and football. But there are two programs on my list, because I actually have four sections of the list, um, which comprise of 23 teams from three conferences. And, and sadly, it has to be, of course, the American, the, the, the uh, Conference USA and the Sun Belt. And the, right. the four lists are, right. all right, fillers, schools that have names, great programs yeah. that right. everybody may not be pandering for, and, and programs you need to get on the phone. The two of those schools that you need to get on the phone, of course, like I just said, Memphis and Houston. The, my other two would be out of the great program situation, and that would be, mm-hmm. surprise, surprise, well, Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee. They both have great football mm. and basketball programs. I mean, they're both, um, well, they're not in big cities, but like I said before, they, they, they have great programs and, and, and great programs with great competition, which, of course, people would like to see. And it would be interesting to see those two programs in the Big 12 and see how they will compete. Mm, okay, so... Yeah, so basically, I see where you're going with the like the markets and whatnot, and that seems to be a smart way to start. Mm-hmm. I just think for some reason, I don't think it's going to help eventually down the road because, like the actual, I think the Big Twelve contract for both ESPN and Fox expire like the next five years, I think. And mm-hmm. I, I just I just don't see any available school. I thought it may be BYU. That would be that would make ESPN and Fox want to go and stop and say, "Wow, we had to either like give them more rights fees or um, try like try to figure out a way to give them a network based upon the mighty Cincinnati Bearcats or Memphis Tigers or even the Houston Cougars." You know, I mean, because they 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 don't none of those. I thought of BYU now because BYU is a national brand for obvious reasons, you know, because the LCS Church and everything else, but I don't see any squad, I don't see any university from the group of five that will move the needle. And I think in the end, that's Big Ten took Maryland and uh, Rutgers because not that they'll move the needle per se, but because of the actual market. I mean, Maryland, you're, of course, your beloved Terrapins, uh, coming like 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 coming from the DC, the, the DMV. Uh, TV viewership as well as Rutgers with Jersey and, and New York City. Um, of course. So I, I just, I just don't, I just, I just, it's hard for me to see how this would eventually help the Big Twelve. I think the Big Twelve missed the boat when they didn't take Louisville way back when instead of West Virginia. Yeah, and and and, and I, I guess that was my beef with the Cincinnati uh, move. I mean, of course, they, these schools have money; they can travel. But I was just thinking, of course, regionally. And, and trying to keep it within that 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 space of in, uh, of Iowa, Texas, Oklahoma that they already have. But I mean, if you want to go the Ohio route, I was actually also thinking. But once again, that's that's one of those schools that's not a Power Five school. It's in Ohio. I was thinking about right. Kent State and Toledo as well. 
but once again, not sexy right. picks. Also, uh, two other institutions that you can consider would be Marshall and Rice. Marshall, of course, has been a program that has constantly been on the rise, moving up from uh, one double A of football to to one uh, A or, or FCS, if you will. And, and that program seems to be continuously getting better. Basketball programs respectable, mm-hmm. and also Rice, the also playing right. in Houston. But once again, not sexy picks. And, and the main two that you said, Houston and, and, and Memphis, seem to be the sexiest out of this bunch. Hmm. Well, you know, Memphis is intriguing from the standpoint that, um, you know, they they have this dude, the FedEx founder, back of them. And mm-hmm. uh, this, this guy has, like, he, 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 like, like you know, like people say that they drip glitter. I mean, I mean, sorry, drip glitter or sweat glitter. Well, he pissed yeah. money, a whole mm-hmm. lot of money. And I think mm-hmm. he said, at one, I think he said at one point that he would be willing to put up his own money and fund and put his name and sponsor a a, a Big Twelve championship game, and for players to like uh, fix Memphis's facilities. Which, by the way, is it's pretty much a complete dump. The stands are a dump. The the uh, Liberty Bowl, and um, yeah, yeah, you know, their, their facilities aren't on up to snuff at all. But again, Memphis brings Tennessee. Okay, it brings mm-hmm. all those marks with like like there. Like, uh, like even though in Memphis, even though they have a rapid college like collegiate following for the college teams. I mean, they're only an hour and change away from Oxford, Mississippi, where Ole Miss is. And they play Ole yeah. Miss every year. And, you know, in, in the state of Tennessee, is largely a volunteer state, a University of Tennessee state. And mm-hmm. they're, they're the border of Arkansas, they're border of Louisiana. But, you know, the thing is, even if you follow that, I can see why Miss would be hot. You know what I'm And as far as Cincinnati goes, I think Cincinnati. For selfish reasons, since like since I live here, I could go down the street if I wanted to to watch them play Texas or Oklahoma in a given year, or even Oklahoma State in any given so year. And since so they so. have made the improvements, they and, and, and you know and, and their um, football stadium is gorgeous now with the renovations. But even though mm-hmm. they can sit only see only forty thousand, I think, which may pose a problem. Or the Big 12, and they're about to renovate the Shubik Center where they play basketball too. So, I'm, I mean, I, I mean, Cincinnati is a professional city. It's a red town, um, and even though they do have a, a UC following here, I don't think it's robust, it's robust enough to actually, you know, give calls to pause from ESPN and Fox. But for selfish reasons, I hope they will consider Cincinnati again, so I can see Texas and Oklahoma play. On any given year, but I don't think anything is plausible for the Big Twelve going forward. And see, that's the thing. What would be Big Twelve's biggest draw in terms of generating revenue on the network? In terms of what type of athletics? I'm thinking more or less football, more than basketball, and I'm thinking that's the thing that would mm-hmm. technically technically hurt. Cincinnati's chances of, of, of coming in. But, of course, on the basketball side, that would be a, a fantastic pickup. And then, of course, once again, it is in the big city. But, right. you know, you, you, you right. come up with some fantastic yeah. reasons on why those institutions would be great, re- great pickups 
for the Big 12. Well, for the, uh, yeah, it is yeah. the Big 12. I keep forgetting the Big 12 has 10 schools, yeah. Big 10 has 12. <laughs> it, it, it always throws me off. It's, it's, it's one of the more, actually, Big 12 uh, has 14. I got 14. Yeah, so 14, you know, that, that, yeah, that always makes it crazy for that? me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, it, 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 oh, I, I'm, I'm, but I'm really with you with the Memphis pick, too. It makes fantastic sense. And then if you got a, a, a booster that's willing to toss money like that, why not? It, it makes perfect sense. That's right. Follow the money, as they always say, right? Well, I follow the money. <laughs> um, but would it even save? Would it, I mean, would, I, I have a feeling that this, even the moves that you know, they're going to make, the Big 12, I don't think it's going to save the league, man. Because again, I, I don't see ESPN and Fox like want to make a move to create a, even a network for, or even giving a increase in, uh, of uh, a broadcast fees or a rights fees for like for the Big Twelve. Because I mean, they're caught in an untenable position. One, untenable position, and two, Texas has to walk on network. And guess what? They ain't giving up that gravy train anytime soon. They can save fifty no. million dollars a year. That they don't even have to share. Why would they give it up? Hell, I wouldn't give it up. I don't give a damn who. I'm not giving it up. <laughs> so I, I don't think in the end. I don't think it's going to save. I don't think it's going to save the league from extension. I think we're looking at another five to seven years of the Big Twelve as we know it before it disintegrates. Well, I don't know if it'll actually disintegrate yet, but it'll be interesting to see okay. exactly where those people end up going. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking that the, the, the Big Ten, well, the Big 12, I'm sorry, will continue to try to pull people uh, away so they can at least stay a conference. But, yeah, some of the, the bigger uh, names, of course, like Texas, Oklahoma, maybe even Baylor, are, are, are borderline out of there if, right. if someone comes calling. Right. But the, the interesting right. thing would be who would be the conferences that, call, that come calling for them. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. So, I, so, so, so here's my guess. My guess would be like Texas and Oklahoma sitting, are sitting in the catbird seat. That, that's just nowhere else around it. I think mm-hmm. that Oklahoma, if they wanted to, they should lob a call to the SEC, and the SEC would come crawling on glass to accept them. They, yeah. they, would, they, would, they, would, they would accept Oklahoma in their heartbeat. And I think Oklahoma comes with a package deal because of political reasons. With to, with uh, Oklahoma State, which is which is fine too. Uh, I could easily see that scenario of Oklahoma and or Oklahoma State going to the SEC, and I also mm-hmm. see Texas in two scenarios. Like even the most likely first, in my opinion, uh, I can see Texas easily going to the Big Ten. Now, for that to happen, they'd have to give up the the, the Longhorn Network. But the Big Ten is making so much cash, man. I mean, the Big Ten is going to be projected to make cash to make up to $40 million in two or two, three years, if not two years. That dwarfs what Texas is getting, even with the Longhorn Network, in terms of grants fees, and, um, I'm sorry, media fees from ESPN and Fox. I mean, either way, Texas has got to make a move. So I think for that reason alone, I don't think Texas would mind giving up the low hole network to get the forty dollar check. I mean, forty million dollar check rather, which probably increased to fifty million dollars originally, like uh, uh, eventually, from uh, the Big Ten network. Yeah, I was going to say they, they may or may getting, not take Texas Tech with them. Yeah, I was going to say they would end up getting more than forty million. 
um, being with being that they are Texas, yes. and, and being as, uh, as though that the Big Ten has already thrown money at, at, at such lightweights as Maryland and, and Rutgers. I mean, of course, they're in big media markets, but they technically only draw for one sport. In in Rutgers' case, it's it's a the basketball program isn't huge at Rutgers. It's it's a, it's a okay. It's a respectable program. But in in, in terms of what what they're competing with in 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 the Big Ten, yeah. it's 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 not even close. And then of course, Maryland right. was like, "Hey, we'll take right. the money. Why not?" Yeah, oh, you yeah. know, they're so honest about it. <laughs> they were well, very honest about it. it. I mean, yeah, they they say, "Look, we 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 want we prefer to stay in the ACC. We prefer to be. To, I mean, we I mean, we were after all." be one of the charter members of the ACC, but we're about to get paid. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? We're about to get crazy paid because the athletics program is in the red, has stayed in the red for a long time. So at least didn't incite integrity and all that other bull crap. I mean, so they, they kept it real. But I just think this, man, after Oklahoma made Oklahoma State again because of political connection, and mm-hmm. Texas, I don't see any other team viable team that's viable in the Big Twelve right now, as, as presently constructed, to be a, to be desirous or to be as desirable rather for a um, Power Five conference. And 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 and, and I'll be remiss to follow up on my Texas point. I said there are two destinations uh, that will most likely be the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Rumor has it. If you read enough message boards or feed into any type of Oliver Stonish um, conspiracy theory, rumor is they've been looking at the ACC. And they'll really? only join if one other school joins them, and that school will be Notre Dame. If Notre Dame were to go in full-time with the ACC, Texas, again, rumor has it. Rumor has it now. I don't know how true this is. This is. Rumor has it that they would, jump in a, they would want to jump with the ACC in a heartbeat. As long as Notre, if Notre Dame is in there with them, that's what oh, wow. I heard. That's what I read. That's it's, it's huge, and and I think Texas has been looking towards like towards East anyway, for as far as, as far as spreading the brand out and everything else. So it's a juicy theory. I think it's unlikely. I think the more likely that's the most likely destination is the Big Ten. But hey, it's something to chew on. But I guess the point I'm trying to say is. If you know Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or Texas, if you're a Big Ten member outside of that, Big 12 member outside of that, you're in trouble. And you might become the glorified Mountain West or, 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 or American Athletic Conference. 2.0. Very glorified. Very glorified. Now, there was a rumor that I did hear that it would potentially be Texas in Florida State to the SEC. I did hear that rumor as well. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think you know, there's a lot of those things floating around right now. Um, a, a, a lot of these conferences are, are looking to, of course, get bigger, which, of course, generates more money. Um, right. It, it'll be interesting to see what type of directions these conferences take within the next couple of years. I'm thinking the ACC network, and I guess you guys talk about this tomorrow, will be the thing, depending upon how much money they're capable of, of, of generating, that will actually keep Florida State in the ACC. Yeah, and given the fact that a lot of Florida State fans are unhappy about uh, what I don't say a lot, I should say quite a few 
or not happy that the, with the fact that uh, the ACC and, the, and with the agreement with ESPN uh, signed mm-hmm. has, has extended the grant of rights agreement by 20 years. And uh, <laughs> so I had to read a message once, and they're not feeling that. But they're hopeful that the network will make it worthwhile, so so we'll see about that. Um, yeah. So changing gears, it's, it's just like a changing gears in the most interesting way from college football and Big 12 expansion to Amari Stoudemire. I mean, I love watching his brother play. I mean, we all know that he retired like two days ago, or was it yesterday? Mm-hmm. And it was just that. And the thing is, is that I, I've seen I've seen him throw down some nasty dunks, some catch man. I mean, Amari <laughs> is a freaking stud when it comes to posterizing cats. Even though I still think it's Vince Carter, as far as in-game ducks, Vince Carter ducking on folks and everybody else. I think it's Vince, I think Vince Carter's at the top of the list, and always will be. But at any rate, I mean, Amari did average over 18 points per game and over eight rebounds per game throughout his career. And, you know, his, was, I guess, 13, 14 years he played? It didn't seem like that long, but... So yeah, it, it, because the, if I remember correctly, the last four years were all injury riddled. Yeah, last four or five years. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which which was too bad because I mean, I mean, as soon as he had that first knee injury in Phoenix, I think that took away a good big portion of his athleticism, even though he still was ducking on cats in New York. But I still to say this again: eighteen points per game, close to nine rebounds per game for his career. Is he mm-hmm. a Hall of Famer? You think it's all wow. If, if I had to fill out a ballot today, I would say no. I mean, outside of yeah. being on all-star teams and um, he was on that, that great Phoenix team in the 2000s. Yes, it was great. Yes, it was great. <laughs> um, if, if you think about it, I, I can't think of any of his individual accolades. I don't think he ever won defensive player of the year. Um, right. He wasn't he was even necessarily, you know, he wasn't necessarily the best player on that Phoenix team. I mean, Sean Mary, uh, Marion was a great, was a good player, and Steve Nash, of course, being the two-time MVP on that team. I can't think of anything fantastic Amari actually did on those squads. He was once again good player, quality player, but um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking right. this time in, in New York where we'll. we'll Admire his his uh, his his entire career, and he will be looked down upon on that. I think he. I agree with you, man. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, which is too bad because I really love the guy. I love him off the court, what he, what he does off the court, what he stands for, what he stood for, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, I I just think that he he's a he's a very very good player. He's now a Hall of Famer. He's a very. I mean, if they had a Hall for the very very good. He qualified the heartbeat. Yeah. But again, it's a Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of the Very, Very, Very Good. So, um, again, which and that Hall would actually be him, rather big too. Because personally, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. But gosh, I mean, it's. I I, I say this. Maybe ten years from now, maybe. Like, because I think the rules are, like, the Zipper Hall of Fame, you got to wait five years of your playing career to be considered. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing at the minimum, maybe 10 years, people start to take this candidacy kind of seriously and say, you know what, well, maybe, I don't know. But right now, I, I don't think he is. 
again, was unfortunate, but to your point, he wasn't the best player on the Phoenix team that Steve Nash was. And <laughs> as far as Steve Nash's two MVPs, back to the MVP season, I oh, think you have a hard time a... arguing with Shaq about that. <laughs> you, you, you have a hard time arguing with Shaq about that? That's the thing. And, 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 and actually, look, if you're really looking at the numbers um, during that time period, you would have an argument with Kobe, but of course Kobe kept his mouth closed about that. He didn't want to discuss that. But Kobe was the better player on that L.A. team during that period than Shaq was. So the argument there that, that Kobe should have won at least one of those MVPs. Mm-hmm. I think like the last year, Steve Nash's last MVP season was Shaq's first season in, in Miami. Yeah. And, you know, Shaq was tearing up his first the first two or three seasons in Miami. Uh, before injuries got got the best of him, Father Time caught up with him as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. if you watch if you watch NBA TV like full court, the show called Full Court on NBA TV, or you can just oh, YouTube it. I love that show. And you, love it, you, dude. Dude, it's, uh, the mere mention of, of Steve Nash on the show will set Shaq <laughs> off so bad. It is hilarious. I mean, he's still <laughs> mad about him getting those two MVPs over him. I mean, it's so funny. I mean, like, like Charles Barkley was like, man, let it go. And Chuck was like, I ain't never letting it go. <laughs> so that was, that was that's great. I mean, that show is great. Full court is great. Um, so speaking of full court, on the basketball court, last but not least, let's touch upon Michael Jordan, what he said in uh, the Undefeated article. I think we touched on the on last night a bit on your show. Um, yes. You know, I, I think, look, I, I you know I I I wrote about it yesterday. I um, look, I applaud what the brother did. I applaud what Jordan taking a stand, even if it's even if it's thirty years too late. <laughs> he should be commended for taking a stand for speaking out. He's spoken out against HB two law, where you know it's a, it's a law against H, like um, the uh, LGBT community in North Carolina talking about back, those crazy bathroom laws that caused the Seashore to lose an all-star game uh, for like next year's all-star game, and many companies and organizations are speaking out against them. Um, I, I like the fact that Jordan contributed $1 million each to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund as well as the, uh, uh, pol- I, I forgot what it was, the Police Community Initiative. I mean, total noble causes. And kudos for Michael Jordan to do that, to have done that, and also hire many people of color behind the scenes to run his, help him run his company and to help run his front office, the franchise uh, for the Charlotte Hornets, you know, run the Hornets front office. But I just wish that he would have done this while I was playing. I wish yes. that he would have done it because to me, like I said on the show last night, if he, he, was, a, he was a worldwide superstar. One of those six rings in Chicago – and even before he won his first ring, he was he was a man. Exactly. Year or two before he was like he was a man. I mean, just imagine how many people would have followed his lead or even given would, would have taken him seriously. We would be talking about the second coming of Jim Brown and or Muhammad Ali if if Jordan would have said use that platform to speak up, to speak out. When now, he arguably had more to lose on his plan. But I, I just think he would have made a bigger impact when it, when it was all said and done. But, again, I'm glad he's saying something now, but I'm late 
better late than never. But I just I, I don't know about that. Now I, I say he may have been actually bigger than than Ali and Jim Brown because of his appeal as a player at that time. You got to remember, Jim Brown wasn't necessarily right. universally liked, and neither was Ali because he still had his detractors when he was especially before he went to jail and was very vocal about a lot of things. So Jordan, at his height, with everyone being a fan of his, he could have said, man, vote for me for president. And and there would have been some people who would have voted for him. I don't think he would have won, but there would have been a lot of people who would have followed his lead in terms of his ideas politically had he been ballsy enough to come on to say something. Right. And, you know, outside of, I must say that outside of the cities of New York and Boston, they would have voted for him. <laughs> so, and maybe Detroit, too. But, um, no, because you know what? They would have said, I mean, they would, they would have thought, hey, he's not in the league no more. Let me go ahead and vote for him. There you go. There you go. Hey, actually, you know, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Especially after this first retirement. Um, I, I, I just, it just, I just, I mean, you remember, and you, you mentioned it on your show last night about the, about when Harvey Gantt was running for state senate for mm-hmm. for the U.S. Senate rather for North Carolina against the most the the late bigger than Jesse Helms, and you know, Jordan said had that quote. Remember that you you know what that quote is? Why I didn't say anything? Why I didn't come to Harvey Grant Gantt's defense? Why he wasn't supporting him? Exactly. And that's yeah, the bad that's, thing because that, that's I was about me. If if memory serves me right, the both of us were in North Carolina at that point in time. So to hear that right, being there right. in the state was mm-hmm. was something that, that reverberated uh loudly in, in the state of North Carolina and, and a lot of people took offense to that, the fact that he wasn't Willing to you know stand up for for Harvey Gant at that time, um, and and I mean I, I guess a lot of people didn't hold ill will against him because they thought of course he doesn't want to hurt his money, so he has the ability to do something like that. But it, it would have been a fantastic time for him to do that and, and, and stick up for his boy. Yeah. Could you imagine though, we would have had less years to Jesse Helms in the Senate. Because yes. the minute that Michael Jordan would have came out for a stump for Harvey Gantt, mm-hmm. and, the, and, 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 and and granted, the race was close. I mean, how close yeah. the race was between Gantt and Helms. I mean, shoot. Hel- I mean, Gantt would have blown him out. He, I, I honestly think he would have walked away with a landslide, won a landslide, but Jordan would have stumped for him. But Jordan would have campaigned for him. I, I really think that. But – Again, that's why I said I think that Jordan missed a lot of opportunities 30 years ago, 30 or so odd years ago, when mm-hmm. he would have made such a stand. And his stand would have been much more um, effective. Exactly. I shouldn't say 30 years ago. I should say maybe 25 years ago. But, you know, I mean, you get my point. Though. I mean, he would have done something else. But I will say this. There are many athletes, Tiger Woods, I'm looking at you, bro, who don't say, <laughs> make a living off of not saying anything. Kobe okay. Bryant. I, I don't have any respect for those guys. But him too, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I, I don't have yeah. any respect for that because, again, as the saying goes, too much is given, much is required. If you exactly. were in a position 
of influence to make a change for the better, especially to that affects your community. You you got to do it, man. I mean, how much money do you really need? I mean, it's for me to say as a non-professional athlete, but still, <laughs> I, I do believe too much is, to, like, to, you know, exactly. I mean, it's not my money, but, I mean, but still, too much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that a lot of these cats are missing the boat and not sticking, and not taking a stand, whether it be for Black Lives Matter, whether, like, whether it be for any type of social issues that ails poor people, poverty, that transcends any race. Right, because probably knows no race or gender. Um, Not at all. You know, I I just wish that more cats. Exactly, I wish that more cats would speak up. Now, I am glad and happy to see Carmelo Anthony taking a stand. Uh, LeBron James, uh, Dwayne Wade, and Chris in the stand like they did at the ESPYS. And Anthony and like 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 Carmelo and LeBron, they've been known for taking stands anyway, especially mm-hmm. LeBron. But to see Carmelo take the take charge, yeah, he, I think he took charge with that when he called players out in the league for not saying to not taking stands and saying that we should take a stand. I'm proud of the brother. I'm proud. But you know what? Four eyes and and, yeah. and and I'm I'm proud of him too for for taking that initiative because a lot of people who who weren't paying attention don't realize that he was the one that initiated that that speech with the four of them in the beginning of the S piece. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to right. be too critical on him. I just wish he would have been a little bit more out in the forefront during the Freddie Gray situation in his first or second hometown of Baltimore, depending upon how you want to look at it. Because, of course, you know, that, that is one of the areas that he's from and that he did rep. But I don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. And that's just me and my memory. Someone will probably okay. attempt to correct me, and, and they could be right, but I don't remember Carmelo coming out and saying anything um, necessarily about what was going on in Baltimore. And, and if he did, shame on me for missing it. If I'm right, shame on him for not doing so. I think after the fact, I don't think he came out right away, but I mm-hmm. think he – I do recall him marching with some folk off of another Black Lives Matter and like a in a, in a Black Lives Matter like protest. I don't think it was with Black okay. Lives Matter per se, but I think it was in a similar protest like because we've had it. I mean, you, I mean, shoot, you, you know what's been going on with all these brothers getting killed by the cops, unarmed brothers, and some hey. unarmed whites too as well. But, exactly. I mean, my, you know what's going my th- on. My thing is, this has been going on um, far too long. You know, I I, I can point out situations. Yeah dating back to the 60s and 50s, and people can point out situations before then where unarmed, especially unarmed African-Americans have been abused by uh, people in authority situations. And, And unfortunately, I would say up until about maybe 1980, 1990, up until Rodney King, it was never really seen and put out in the media. Once Rodney King hit, it started to slowly trickle. We had Amadou Diallo, and we had, you know, other situations yeah. that, that, yeah. that started to slowly yeah. trickle out during that time period. God, yeah. And then up and now, mm-hmm. where everybody has a camera, everyone has access to, to some sort of media, it, it, it comes out and it's pointed out a lot quicker and a lot easier than it was in the past. And, of course, now it's a lot easier for people to react. But I just feel it. I just feel... It's interesting to me how people are still shocked that it still happened. 
Yeah. I'm like, this, this is not right. new. This has been going on for a very, very, very long time, unfortunately. And there have been warning signs about it for years, and unfortunately, it took for people to die on camera in order for it to gain national attention again. Yeah. Well, let me close on this, brother, and I'm going to piggyback what you just said, and thank you for sharing that. Um, I just want to take the time out to explain for folks out there, this has been on my mind for a while, who don't understand the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's not like, folks, I'm not, now, now for the record, I'm not involved in the Black Lives Matter movement, but I support it, and I understand why we have a Black Lives Matter movement. So with that said, let me just explain. Um. When we say, when folks say Black Lives Matter, we're not saying that everybody else does not do not matter. We, we, of course, everyone matters. Of course, we know that. Common sense tells us that. What we're saying is this: we want to be valued the same way other lives are valued. For example, exactly. remember Tamar Rice getting shot in Cleveland—a 12-year-old boy getting shot in Cleveland with playing a toy gun. Now, I don't know if you hear, heard about this, but I think a month ago or so. I think it was a month ago. There were two white kids in Cleveland, same city in Cleveland, playing with toy guns who were given citations. They weren't shot, and, and I'm glad they weren't shot, but they weren't shot. They were given citations, and they were reprimanded by the judge, and the judge made them do a book report on Tamir Rice. That was their punishment for playing with toy mm-hmm. guns in public. Again. I'm glad those two young men didn't get shot. I don't want to see children ever get shot by anyone, let alone the exactly. police. But a, a black 12-year-old kid with the same quote-unquote transgression was killed mm-hmm. over, over a prayer with a toy gun. That's why it's we unfortunate. say black lives matter. Because it, oh, I was going to yeah, say it's unfortunate yeah, 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 that, that whites had to pass away in order for that to, 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 to be a situation for these kids to have to go through. Yeah. And, you know, because, and yeah, exactly, because guess what? Not many people value uh, 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 all lives equally. Sure. And sure, I, I mean, sure, I mean, if, if, they, if people had a complaint about that, they could have said Black Lives Matter too, instead of Black Lives Matter, period. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it means the same thing. We matter too. We're not the, we know we're not the only ones who matter. Yes, everyone else matters. Yes, all lives matter. We get that. But not everyone values every life equally. That's sure. why we say black lives matter, even though we do mean black lives matter too. That's all the Black Lives Matter movement is all about. They're not terrorists. They're trying to get the voices heard because, again, we matter too. So the way... I had to take a deep breath, but thank you for joining me on this podcast, and thank you for sharing your stories. We like like we're going on the last topic we discussed. I really appreciate it, brother. No problem. Thank you for having me on the show. And as always, man, you know I always look forward to speaking to you. You got it, brother. Hey, thank you very much, man. Seriously. All right, you take it easy, bro. All right. Nice seeing you. All right, peace out. That's my guy for Dwayne Nash. Interesting show. Interesting end into a great show. And, um, yeah, that's like I said before. The Black Lives Matter movement is about not that all lives, like, like, like some lives matter than others, but like Black Lives Matter and no one else matters. We get that. But, I mean, the thing is, is not many people fight all lives equally. 
That's why we say Black Lives Matter. Sure, Black Lives Matter too. <laughs> Instead of Black Lives Matter, it's matter semantics. That's what we forget. That's why folks say that. That's why it's more white folks are jumping into the fray and saying the same things. I mean, we just need to come together. That's all I'm trying to say. That's what the movement is for. That's what other people are joining the movement. And that's what we're trying to do, y'all. We all matter. But unfortunately, again, not many people buy all lives equally. But anyway, let me go up to Thank you all for joining me. Uh, tomorrow, I'll discuss the ACC Network. Uh, my podcast tomorrow, the Red Tour Weeks type of thing. Uh, we'll be doing more Tour Weeks coming through the football season, preseason, for NFC for that. But for now, this is Scott the first with the Clown Hour sign off. 06, y'all, and good night.